Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined today by a very special guest, John Silver. You may know him from AEW Wrestling, big Giants fan, big fan of the Fireside Giants show, reached out to me, wanted to come on. So we're going to go ahead and talk about some New York Giants today, discuss what we're seeing from the team this season that's disappointing us, of course, and what we're seeing in the future that we're hoping for, and just really the overall state of the New York Giants. So, John, thank you for joining me. How are you doing today, my friend, and how are you feeling about these New York Giants uh I mean I'm doing good uh like I just telling you before I just got back from Aruba but unfortunately I landed in New York and then had to fly right away to Montreal which is a lot colder than Aruba so uh you know a little different in the weather but uh I'm doing good uh how I feel about the Giants disappointed uh is the big word I guess uh I had high hopes for the season and um Obviously, we're not doing great this year, but I I am still hopeful for the future. Yeah, me too. And I, I we'll get into it and we'll discuss why we're hopeful for the future. But I think that there's plenty to be hopeful about. However, there is definitely a lot to be concerned by. Uh, but before we start talking New York Giants, I want to talk John Silver and why John Silver is a Giants fan. You know, so um, it, it's my understanding you grew up in Wonton, New York. Is that right? Wonton, New York. That's um, on Long Island. Uh, yep. I'm a Long Islander myself. Where are you from? I grew up in Glen Cove area, Oyster Bay. My uh, my grandparents, though, are over in Massapequa, and I'm there every summer. That's where I am right now. I live in Massapequa right now. So, Oh, wow, close. nice. Yeah, that yeah. is pretty cool. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I live in South Florida right now, so you're talking about cold weather. I don't have that. Um, it's pretty, pretty mild here. It's that chilly 65 for Floridians. I love it. I wish it was colder. I miss New York. But, yeah, so fellow Long Islander here, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Long Islander, been a Giants fan since uh, I was, when I was raised in, I raised in Wontaw, we had neighbors that were all around my age um, that lived next door, across the street, down the block. I had kids everywhere. And the kids next door were a little older and they were tossing around the football. And they're like, hey, are you a Giants fan or, or a Jets fan? And at the time, I didn't watch football as a little kid. I'm just like, hmm. Giants sounds cool. I like Giants. So ever since then, I was a Giants fan. Perfect. Um, that's kind of how it happens for everybody, right? You kind of just pick out of a hat in New York unless you're born into it. You know, you've got your parents who are a Giants fan, which is kind of my situation. I had an uncle who grew me up as a Giants fan. But all right, talking more about your wrestling career, it's my understanding you started in 2007. You're part of the Dark Order. Uh, and you guys re- recently launched a new YouTube series, right? Being the Dark Order. Can you speak on that and what you have going on there? Uh, yeah, so um, been with AEW since uh, 2019, uh, right before the pandemic. Um, been wrestling since 2007 on the smaller circuit, but now with the AEW. Um, and yeah, we just launched a new YouTube show, which is kind of an old YouTube show if you are a fan. Uh, the Elite had a YouTube show called Being the Elite. And we would have segments on there all the time, and it would do very well. And people kept on asking, kept on asking, when is it? When there's going to be a being the dark order? We need that show. Uh, I guess luckily for us, the elite decided they do not want to continue doing their show anymore on YouTube. So we didn't want it to die because we still wanted to do our thing. So we're just like, we asked them like, hey, can we take this over? And they said, sure, take it over. So now it's now being the dark order. Uh, we have a lot of 
good stuff coming up. It's gonna be a lot. It's mostly comedy and uh, comedy and wrestling. Uh, this week we were just in Montreal, so we had a very this this week's episode. I don't know when this is gonna air, but this week's episode is very good. So check it out. Being the Dark Order. Definitely, everyone, check that out. I'll make sure to link it down below in the description box. You can all. Uh, tune into being the dark order and sounds like some fun stuff maybe i'll send you a um fireside giants hat or something that you can wear um and plug onto the show at some point i'll plug it i wear a hat uh i just got a brand new hat from aruba there's a beer called chill i love it had a really cool hat that's what i had i'm wearing now well i have it i wear when i go out but if you give me a fireside giants hat i'll wear it on the show sounds good say less i'll definitely make sure to send one over to you big beer guy you like beer i like beer but i've become more of a mixed drink guy uh less calories get the zero yeah <laughs> zero coke zero with it or whatever i'm doing but right. uh in aruba they have their own beer they make called chill and then and i was like i'll try it and it's absolutely delicious it's my favorite beer so i don't know where else to, i don't know where else you can really get it i mean maybe some beer, beer distributors might have it but if you're ever in aruba get some chill delicious beer Definitely. Might have to fly out there just for that. I'm a big fan of the beer myself from my fraternity days. But all right, let's talk some New York Giants. Let's dive into it because it's been a controversial season, of course. But right now we're all kind of clinging on to the story of Tommy DeVito. Like it's so much fun just watching this kid, New Jersey native, live out his dreams. I want to know like how you feel about Tommy DeVito um, and kind of ask you the Tommy DeVito versus Tyrod Taylor thing. Do you think that the Giants are making the right decision, riding with the hot hand in Tommy DeVito? Or do you think the more experienced backup in Tyrod Taylor should have been the primary starter here? Yeah, you got to keep DeVito in there. Um, He's a rookie. He was undrafted. Obviously, you know, I don't know what the people in the Giants facility think he can be, but if he's playing good and you haven't seen him play before, just let him play. Uh, you've seen Tyrod Taylor play before. You know what you're getting with him. Um, and it's not – we're not in a mode where we're like, if we need if – we, we get this win or two, we're going to get to the playoffs. It doesn't matter. We're not going to make the playoffs. A miracle would have to happen for us to make the playoffs. So I think you see what the rookie can do um, if he – has an amazing end of the season, then you might have to f- think about what we are going to do going forward with him and and who's going to start, really. Um, right now, he seems like he's going to be a great backup, but we also don't know who he's going to be a backup for. But um, he could light it up the rest of the year and really could earn a, a real starting job, potentially. That's, like, that's what I'm really, really hoping for. Like I would love if the undrafted Tommy DeVito jersey guy is our quarterback of the future. That'd be the coolest thing ever. You know, it'd be the ultimate story. Like it would just yeah. be so cool. It'd be like if my life went how I wanted it to. You know, it was this uh, like jer- or this uh, Italian American from the New York, New Jersey area just grew up and became the New York Giants quarterback and unlikely circumstances. So it's like I'm watching this guy live out my dream. I love it. Um, and so I would be all here for it if he did become the starter. But that is something we were discussing in the uh, live stream last night. We were kind of saying everybody's really capping this kid's ceiling off as backup quarterback. You know, he's an undrafted guy, so probably the best he can ever be as a backup. But I sometimes sit there and I wonder, why can't he be more, you know? And, and so I, I think long term and I'm like, if this kid shows to be a really good backup now and then he sits behind whoever the Giants have for a couple of years, who's to say he doesn't get a chance elsewhere and become an eventual starter down the road? So I, I'm kind of hoping for it. You know, if he's a starter for the Giants, that's perfect. But 
Uh, it sounds like they're going to go in a different direction at quarterback, whether that means doubling down on Daniel Jones or targeting a quarterback in the first round of the draft. So I think that's kind of where we segue into this state of the Giants discussion because the quarterback situation, that's the big question mark here. Of course, gave yeah. Daniel Jones the $40 million per season. At the time, I supported it, thought it was a good idea because it gave them the out after the second season with the way the contract was uh, structured. And I still think that is kind of like the saving grace here. But looking back on it, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Looks like it wasn't the best deal. Um, you still a Daniel Jones believer, truther? Were you ever? You know, how are you feeling about it? You kind of ready to move on? Because I think you know that's probably where I'm heading. Yeah, I mean, day one when he got drafted, I was pissed. <laughs> I was very upset. Um, I was at uh, a restaurant too. I forgot what the name of the restaurant was. Um, the Green Turtle. I don't know if they have it everywhere. But uh, they were playing the draft. I was with a bunch of my buddies. And when they said Daniel Jones, I literally, my jaw dropped. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We got Daniel Jones. I just felt like a stretch. Like, they're just like, hey, we need a quarterback. Let's just let's just get this guy at six, too. Um, I really wanted a, a good defender. I wanted a good pass rusher. Um, but I was open to a lot of things. Um, but then as I saw him play, I started to become – a believer in uh, Danny Dimes. Uh, it's because he, he shows a lot of great stuff sometimes, um, especially with his feet. He's very good at making plays with his feet. And, you know, I'm used to Eli Manning, so we never got that before. So I'm like, this is different. Um, but I became a big supporter of him um, because I did see him progress every year. He got better and better and better than – Last year, they made the playoffs, and they won a playoff game. And um, I thought they were going to win two to five games the most. Um, and they did great. So I would always say it's just the offensive line. It's just the offensive line. But I think this year is when I'm kind of out on Daniel Jones because you can see it's more so when you watch Tyrod Taylor and Tommy DeVito play. Um, I like to see – them stay in the pocket, especially Tommy DeVito, stay in the pocket and make the throws, uh, especially the deep ball. It's something Daniel Jones just can't do. Um, and, and when I see Tyrod throw the deep ball and Tommy DeVito throw the deep ball, I'm seeing some beautiful throws sometimes, and I really don't remember any instances of Daniel Jones really hitting too many of those. Yeah, maybe, deep in his, maybe in his rookie season, but it feels like a thing of the past almost for Daniel Jones. Yeah, overthrows or short throws it just never yeah. seems to, to hit. But then I'm seeing some of these guys, I'm like, well, they got the same offensive line that they're hitting these throws. So um, it's that and also watching some people. I mean, obviously it's a different situation. You watch someone like Patrick Mahomes. I know he's the best right now. But I love the way that he feels the pressure and he gets away from it and extends all the plays. I feel like Jones just doesn't do that. I feel like if he is going to extend a play, he just runs it. That's it. He gets scared mm. and runs. I don't think he runs out and is looking around and trying to extend a good passing play. So I think those are two things that are pretty can be pretty necessary in this season. Like, the way the quarterback should play now, you need to be able to throw a deep ball at some point and um, also to extend plays and know where the pressure's coming in. And uh, I know DeVito got sacked a bunch, but I like that he's not scared of it. Like he's not. Right. He's, he's just, so he confident. He just plays yeah. like he's just so cool and he just doesn't care. Yeah, if he gets hit, he gets hit. I mean, obviously it'd be nicer if he had some of the times to throw the ball away. 
but yeah. that's something that could be taught. But I do like that he's like, if I get hit, I don't care. But I want to make sure these guys get open, and I want to make the play happen. So I like that. Yeah, and I think that's with the Daniel Jones situation. The most damning thing is the is the success of these backup quarterbacks. Like immediately when Tyrod Taylor got in there, you know they didn't score points against Buffalo, but they moved the ball downfield. Like they sustained drives. They got into the red zone numerous times. They didn't finish with those points again, but they got there. You know, if there is a pass interference, which should have been called on Darren Waller, they probably win that game. Get another chance with a fresh set of downs on the one yard line. Tyrod Taylor doesn't make that mistake at the end of the first half. Then you're talking about two touchdowns on the board, which is more than. Daniel Jones was able to muster up across the past five weeks. So it's, it's just damning for Daniel Jones for him to not be present in this lineup right now when things are clicking, but it's these backup quarterbacks one after another helping make things click. And so it's, it's very, you know, if you're looking at it from Daniel Jones's perspective, it sucks. Like you wish that the offense was clicking like that when you were out there, but from the giants perspective, you have to say, is he the reason things weren't clicking when he was out there? And that's where I'm starting to lean. I'm starting to feel that way. Um, and thinking that it's really just time to reboot this whole offense. Like, we've got a couple nice pieces. I like Wandale Robinson. I like Jalen Hyatt. Um, of course, Andrew Thomas is, uh, you know, a foundational piece. But then other than that, you can kind of do away with most of these guys, and that probably includes the quarterback, and that's where you really hit the reboot button. Um, and we do know there's a bunch of quarterbacks at the top of this draft that a lot of fans are getting really excited about. Are there any that – I don't know if you watch much college football, but are there any of these – top quarterbacks that you're seeing, watching, or hearing about that maybe pique your interest. And I, I imagine that's the direction you want to go in the draft is with the QB. Yeah, I'm, like, getting nervous, though, about how the draft is and where we're going to actually have our draft pick at. I know I've heard that Joe Shane is someone that's not afraid to trade up if he really wants someone. Um, but, yeah, I think I'd, like it's, – it's difficult. I don't watch a lot of college, but I do watch – like people talk about college football more than I watch people actually um, the, the games itself because as a New Yorker, we don't really have like a team. Like as a Long Islander, I feel like we don't have a team. Like you just have to pick one and I just never have. Uh, but I do watch a lot of the highlight videos. I watch like once I hear about certain people. Um, I think right now I like Drake May the most. Um, not saying I'm against Caleb Williams at all, but also I'm, right now I'm a little nervous about where we are drafting because – it seems like the top two picks are going to be the Bears and the Patriots. I think the Patriots are definitely getting a quarterback. I don't see another way that's going to happen. Um, I really don't even see them winning another game, so I think they're going to have the two wins so they could have the first or second pick. Um, and then there is the Bears because of the Panthers, but that's a that's a you never know with that one because – if they have faith in Justin Fields, they might want to trade out of that pick or yeah. Um, they could just go Marvin Harrison Jr. or something like that or whoever they really like at that position. Uh, so I think they would trade out because they'd probably get a big – King's ransom. Huge, yeah. huge haul. <laughs> yeah, the thing with that, if we if you don't get that trade, then someone's trading up for a quarterback, and then you also have the the Patriots taking quarterbacks. So yep. uh, maybe one and two top quarterbacks gone. Uh, yep. I saw a mock the other day, and it was like the worst for us. We're, we're at seven. And it showed the top two quarterbacks, the top two receivers, and the top two offensive linemen getting picked in front of us. I'm like, that's literally the worst thing that could happen for us. Yeah, um, and, and it's realistic too. Like it could absolutely happen. So yeah. it, it's it's like the nightmare scenario. And then it's like you have to settle for the third quarterback, but then that's open to debate. Who is the third quarterback? Like is it Jaden Daniels? Is it Michael Penix? Bo Nix? Like there's a handful of names out there, and it's like 
wherever the Giants land, if they are going quarterback, they're probably just going to take that guy at seven if they can't move up. And then you think about the idea of moving up to that first overall pick. The price tag for Trey Lance at the third overall pick a couple years ago was three first-round picks. If the Giants want to get up to number one for Caleb Williams, you're talking three first-round picks and then some. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, And we're not a team that just is a quarterback away. We need a few Mm. more pieces. So it's a little more difficult. Um, The thing is, if – Obviously, I would like to draft a quarterback, but I don't want us to just like we did. I feel like we did with Jones. It's like, okay, we need a quarterback, so let's just draft one. Like, if yeah, and then I force want them, it. I want, yeah, I want them, someone they're in love with, someone they think is going to definitely be the franchise quarterback, that can make the big plays, uh, is well under pressure. Um, so we'll see what comes down. I feel like this, the like when I look at mock drafts, like the beginning of the year, middle of the year, and close to the draft. They're completely different. Uh, I feel like I saw a lot of mock drafts last year saying early that Kayvon was number one guaranteed, number one overall yeah. pick. And luckily, I'm happy we got Kayvon. Yeah. But it was crazy that he just dropped so much, you know, from guaranteed number one to, eh, to would we get a five, right? We got him at five. Got him at five, yeah. So still high up there, but, you know, Caleb could drop far. You never know. Uh, maybe Drake May drops down, or maybe someone comes up a lot. You know, so it's I, guess it's, I guess it's monitoring how they do, and especially sometimes it's like, oh, this person didn't run fast enough in the forty time. Right. He's not good anymore. It's, it's like it's crazy sometimes how they they um, judge these uh, players, but that could help or really hurt us. So I guess it's yeah. where they end up. You know. Yeah, I mean, you've got college football playoffs coming up and a lot of bowl games, so that's going to have some risers and some fallers in draft stock. And then the really crucial aspect is when you get over to March and you have the NFL scouting combine, and then that's where you're talking about who runs fast, who doesn't, uh, who shows up in shape, who wasn't training. That's like a red flag for for teams. And then it's the interviews. I think that's what really gets NFL teams is they actually have one-on-one time with those players and get to like pick their brains and for quarterbacks in particular so much of it is intangible right like how are you how's your mental makeup how respectful are you in those meetings that's what's really going to determine it for those quarterbacks that are trying to push their way up into the top 10 or who might hurt themselves and fall out of the top 10 so uh yeah i mean mock drafts are just always changing but i think the the really enticing part about drafting a quarterback here is like the idea of getting uh, a fresh new young quarterback prospect to pair with this QB guru in Brian Dable. Mm-hmm. But what we all thought was this offensive mastermind genius in Brian Dable a season ago, two seasons ago, this year, the Giants offense has just been painful to watch. And so now I see fans sometimes in the comments of these videos and they're like, I'm starting to turn on Brian Dable. I don't really believe in him. I feel like he's a fraud. And so I don't, I'm not at that point. Like I still believe in Brian Dable, but the fact that he's probably firing all three of his coordinators in the offseason is like massive red flag. Like what's going on behind the scenes here? So I'm starting to have a couple of question marks about Brian Dable. Still believe in him. He doesn't deserve to be fired just yet. But we'll see what happens. And so I, I'm curious to know how you're feeling about the state of the Giants under Brian Dable because, you know, last year so much success. Again, the kind of excitement between getting him a new quarterback and seeing what he can do with it. But a lot of red flags this year, you know, like reflecting on the season that we've had so far, what stood out from Brian Dable that you think is maybe the reason that he's kind of messing up so much in his second season? I still have a lot of faith in Dable. I feel like you can't get rid of a guy that just won coach of the year. I know we're having a bad year, but, he, you know, coaches have bad years all the time. Some of the best ever have 
terrible years, and then they come back and win a Super Bowl. Uh, for him to take last year's team and make and bring them this, to the playoffs and win a game, that team was even worse than this year's team. Uh, I think from you know who the player wise um, was was fantastic. It was good to see, but obviously that had our, our hopes are now higher. I feel like if he played, we just missed the playoffs last year, and then this year we just missed the playoffs again. It wouldn't be like, oh, we got to fire him. You know what I'm saying? I think it's just the the, the hypes were the hypes. The hopes were so high that, you know, now that he had a bad year, people are saying maybe we should fire him. I think you got to keep him. Uh, the players like him. Um, I think he will – I think he's a good coach. I mean, he won coach of the year. He's, he's going to be good. Uh, I am a little uh, off about our offense, obviously. So Kafka um, – you know, I just don't – I don't understand the play calls a lot of the times, um, especially with – I feel like he's calling plays that don't make sense for our team. Um, not saying they're terrible plays, but they don't make sense for what we're trying to do. Right. If we're getting sacked in like two seconds, why are we having these big plays where Jones is looking far down the field? Like every play, I feel like, I feel like it's never like a quick slant or – you know, we need to do a lot more, I feel like, quick slants, get the ball out get people moving. Um, but I feel like he calls these plays where it has needs time to, you know, happen, which we don't have because we have a bad offensive line. Or we're doing these screens that I feel like the defense sees a mile away and then we yeah. just, it's five yards. So I just don't think the play calling is good for what we're trying to do. And then arguably our best uh, – well, probably our best – half of the season was against the Cardinals when we came back in the second half. But mm-hmm. people think Dayball was calling the plays. Yeah. It was a different team and you saw Dayball talking on the headset. Yeah. So not sure if he definitely was or not, but that was our best half offensively. So like I just don't like we're not scoring. I don't like the, a lot of his play calls. Um you know I can compare it to like I know it's the the GOAT, but um when I used to watch like Brady play I feel like so so much time, even when they had a good offensive line and everything, he would get the ball off so quickly into a slant. Or it was just you kind of wonder how they how are they moving down the, the field so quickly? Quick plays, super quick. He's getting them out. He's getting them out and getting them out, and then eventually, then he hits the big one. You know, and he would do that all the time. It was, it was like you didn't know how to defend it. I feel like with Kafka, we're just looking down the field for these big plays every play, and they're not happening. It's like there's no rhythm. Like how you mentioned there with Brady, like it was always in rhythm. It's like quick, 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 and then they take their chance, and it's always an in-rhythm thing. My biggest, like, problem with Mike Kafka's play calling, like I agree with you, you know, in terms of he has two long developing plays, and so it just makes it hard for a quarterback to stand under that pressure and make those plays. But then my other thing with him is it's like he forgets about the rushing game sometimes like even last week against new england the giants won that game it was an ugly one saquon barkley only had 12 carries and that game against arizona is a great example in the first half saquon barkley was barely touching the ball the giants were first drive they ran it all the way down the field and then they you know kicked the field goal or punted whatever and then for the rest of the first half it was just like they forgot about the running game and i think that happens to kafka all the times where he's just like we're not going to run it. We're just going to rely on the quarterback to make all these plays. But again, with this offensive line, that's almost impossible to do. So he just goes on these like long dry spells with no running game. And it's just not enough proper balance in the offense. And that's where I just think 
I don't know. I, I don't know what he's thinking sometimes. Uh, but then, you know, like you bring up that half against Arizona where it looked like Dable took more control. There's so much balance. Like you had Daniel Jones taking a rush to the end zone. You had Saquon Barkley getting more involved in the receiving game and scoring out of the backfield as a receiver. You had him taking a couple handoffs up the gut that went for big gains. It just looked like it was a different offense ran by a different person. There's so much more balance. So when this offense just becomes all this way imbalanced, especially favoring pass protection, it just doesn't make sense to me. So Kafka is a guy that I definitely comfortable moving on from, but on the other side of the ball, Wink Martindale. Now we're hearing all these crazy stories. Uh, Brian Dable, Wink Martindale hate each other. It's a big mess behind the scenes. I don't know what to make of it. It's all like rumors and speculation, but it doesn't sound good. And, and optically it just looks like Dable is losing control. Not of the players. It sounds like the players are still on his side, but of the coaches, which is just very, very weird. Like he's a very much a player's coach, but he's not a coach's coach, I guess is what, what I would say. But, you know, Wink Martindale, I think, has done a great job with this defense. The defense has kept us in a lot of these games, won us a couple of them as well. You know, what, what do you think the loss of Wink Martindale would be here? Because, again, this defense has been the saving grace of the season. Yeah, I like Wink a lot, actually. Um, I think a lot of the games with the scores make it seem like he's doing worse than he is. Um, you know, but a lot of times I feel like, all right, we gave me, you know, turned the ball over you know, and gave them really good positioning or, or even me through a pick six or a fumble or whatever it is. And I feel like, you know, they, they scored 40 points, but you know, the quarterback only threw one touchdown and the running back only had like one rushing touch, you know what I'm saying? So um, I feel like on paper, it definitely looks worse than it is. Uh, I, I like Wink. Obviously I want, if he's, if Dayball is not getting along and they hate each other and he, it's ever this bad, I feel like, he's probably going to want to get rid of Wink. Uh, if we were making the playoffs and it was because of the defense, then I think you can't get you can't get rid of the guy, obviously. But um, it's easier for them to get rid of Wink, I guess, in this situation. I like him. Um, I like that he likes to put a lot of pressure. Um, yeah, I, I, he's not someone I want to lose, especially this year. I know he had uh, coming into this year, he had some uh, interviews for like head coach jobs. I believe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, he made it stuff. deep too. I think it was with either the Colts or Panthers. He made it really deep in the interviews and almost got the job. So it's like crazy to think a year later now he's on the hot seat. Yeah. So I mean, I want him to stay. I still want him to stay. I still think the defense is good, and yeah. you know, I think we added a lot of good pieces that he's now. I think the beginning of the year he was playing with some pieces and now he's getting to know everyone's strength and how to use everyone very well. Yeah. Um, you're seeing some of these players break out. Obviously, first like two or three games, everyone's Kayvon's a bust, Kayvon's a bust, and now he's killing it. Uh, yep. O'Karaki, uh, McFadden playing great. Obviously, Dexter Lawrence is killing it. Monster. Uh, yeah, he's a monster. But um, yeah, so I, I, it's weird if you get a new defensive coordinator. Like, I. You know, I just don't – I want to make sure it's the right guys for the right players. And, yeah. You, know, you never know because they just don't know how to do well with this good – this like these players or this scheme or whatever it is, and this doesn't work out as well. So I like Wink. I think the defense is pretty good. So they get rid of him. I understand why, but I, if it was my choice, I would, I would keep him. 
Yeah, I, I would as well. I, I think a couple of those players that you mentioned, like Okereke, having a career year playing in this Wink Martindale system. Micah McFadden has taken huge steps forward. I think that Jason Pinnock has taken steps forward. Yeah. You're seeing gradual improvement week to week from Deontay Banks. Like these young guys seem to be really gravitating towards what Wink Martindale is teaching them. It's not happening for them immediately, like slow start to the season, sure. But as as the season rolls on and as these players continue to grow in this Wink Martindale defense, they just get better and better. So I think that losing him would be really tough for the development for a lot of those players, just kind of stunting their growth and would just be a huge loss for this team in general. But flipping back to the offensive side of the ball. So we talked about offensive line and we mentioned really poor pass protection. And I know you just mentioned you love Kayvon Thibodeau. He's doing great things for the Giants. But the other first round pick from that draft, right tackle Evan Neal. I don't know if you saw the quote that he had this week. He mentioned that he he thinks that he was born to play offensive tackle in the NFL. He stepped out of the womb as an offensive tackle is the exact quote that he had, which is just if you watch him play, it doesn't seem like it's what he was born to do. But, you know, I just I can't believe that we're at this point. Like the Giants keep spending these early picks on offensive linemen. They just never pan out. Eric Flowers, Evan Neal, Andrew Thomas is the exception to the rule here. But, you know, when you're looking at Evan Neal um, and just this offensive line in general, how are you feeling about it, and what can the Giants do to actually fix this thing? Uh, yeah, it, it's it's two years, right? This is his second year, or this is right. I he always could get better. I mean, you've seen some people like really make some big steps in the first year, two years, not great, and then become a lot better. So obviously, I would love to just be optimistic, but it's hard to be optimistic when it's like terrible you know it's like it's not like hey you got a little like andrew thomas like he started real bad then second half of the year he started to play a little better second year started to play pretty good and then third year he was a complete stud so it just doesn't seem like he's going through the same progressions that uh thomas was and even like dexter lawrence like first few years he's pretty solid but then he turned into a monster right so it's tough it's it's you know what it's it, like my least, like my least favorite players really are the ones are pretty much giants that just didn't pan out. Eric Flowers is probably my least favorite player. Uh, Eli Apple, uh, yeah, Eli Apple, right? They said they were, um, those guys. I just Tony, of course. Oh, he's my least favorite. Uh, they make me more mad than any other player. Just be how they don't pan out. Now they're the first round picks, and we need them to be good. Like those are such hitting in the draft is so important. If you hit in the draft. And you get a bunch, like a few starters each year, especially really good starters. Like your team is looking very, very good. You don't have to rely on picking players up in free agency, which can be expensive or they might not work out as well as you think. Um, so it's just, it's very annoying to see these players that be drafted, especially early, especially first round, second round, not turn out as good. Fingers crossed it gets better. I don't know if they, I've seen people talk about, uh, trading Neil and get rid of him. Like some people might have higher hopes for him in other places, but uh, in a perfect world, he just gets a lot better. Uh, yeah. I mean, he says, you know, it's just crazy because the draft happened and the way I did my mock drafts, so I always do a bunch. I wanted Kayvon and I wanted Neil. Me too. Those are, those are the two guys I wanted. Obviously I, uh, Hutchinson, I would have been great with Hutchinson too. Yeah. Um, but I want these two. That's it. And we got, I'm like, I was ecstatic. Kayvon's, of course, working out. He's doing great. But now Neil, I thought Neil was the sure thing. I thought Neil was going to be the sure thing. Kayvon, if he can keep his head on straight, maybe he'll be really good. Mm. But it just seems the other way around. And um, 
It sucks that it's always offensive line too. Like we need that to be so good. I always like yep. that's if I could pick besides quarterback, I want the offensive line to be great and then the pass rush to be great. Once those are, I feel like that's how you win the game. So that's your all about the trenches. Well, it really is. I think that's how you win games, and just you can't get an offensive line to save our lives. For when was the last time we had a good offensive line? Like, close to ten years ago. I would say even longer because that 2011 season when Eli Manning won Super Bowl 46, the second one against the Pats, that offensive line was pretty bad. Like Eli Manning was just balling out that season. I think if you look back on it, they're their uh, like pass blocking efficiency ranked 32nd. So it's before that Super Bowl. And so then you're talking maybe the 2007-8 Super Bowl. I think they had some good pieces on there. Sean O'Hara was still there. Um, so it's probably that one. But that is a long, long time to go without any decent to average offensive line play. Like, why can't we get it right? I don't know how it's that hard. It feels like a curse at this point. Like, it, really it just is. feels like the Giants are cursed. And then so uh, a little, little skeptical about if – Anything happens, we start winning a bunch of games. We draft later, in the, and we can't get a quarterback, and we go offensive line. Terrified, right. terrified of well, it. And it's like we just saw that happen with the Jets. I mean, two thousand. I think it was the twenty-one class. Is that when Trevor Lawrence came out, and the Jets were winless going into Week sixteen? Meaningless win against the Rams. Meaningless win against the Browns. And now they're picking second overall, and they got Zach Wilson. And look how that's panned out for them. So yeah. I, there's there's an argument to it. Like I, a lot of Giants fans, you know, push back against the idea of tanking and purposely losing because you know it's like bad fanship or whatever. But you look at what just happened to the Jets. They're probably looking back on it and saying, "I wish that we lost a few extra games there. We'd have Trevor Lawrence. We'd be set up for the next ten to fifteen years." So it's there's an argument to it. It's tough because the players obviously they can't do that. Like the, obviously the coaches can want to do that and kind of put you know, make it happen. But if you're, let's say for the Giants, if you're Tyrod Taylor or Tommy DeVille, you're trying to win a starting job. You're trying to yep. prove that you or deserve a bigger contract or whatever it is. And same with the rest of the players. They're trying to prove that they still deserve it. Even on a bad team, they're still crushing it. So those guys are playing just as hard as ever. They're never, they're never going to slow down. Um, especially if Jones didn't get hurt, he would be playing to show he deserves that contract. Exactly. Uh, so it's it's a little tough to tank. You can't just it's it's easier said than done, but um, and I I think I heard you say it. Um, it, it I like to watch the Giants win. Like it always make me smile. For but sure. them beating uh, the Patriots and um, who they beat before that Washington. Washington. It was like, can they just lose? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I want those early picks. I do want an early pick, but I, it makes me happy to see them win. It makes me feel good. Like I'm like yeah, but I'm like you know what? That's not what I want. It's just I I can't get what I want ever. If I want them to win, they're gonna they're gonna lose. If I want them yeah. to lose, they're gonna win. So uh, we'll see where we pick. Obviously, I'm hopeful for a quarterback. Perfect world. Tommy DeVito is the franchise quarterback we've always wanted. Um, for sure. But uh, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean it's like. Again, Giants fans just cap his ceiling, and it's not even just Giants fans. It's like everybody, and I know it's because he was an undrafted guy. Everybody's just like the, his ceiling is a good backup long term for the Giants. But it's like he if he just starts tossing three to four touchdowns a week here for these final five weeks of the season, you might have to go in the next year where the quarterback controversy is Tommy DeVito the starter over Daniel Jones. You know, yeah. like that's how that's the how the conversation can turn so quickly. And I understand that's like very unlikely, especially in this offense. But if it happens, it happens. And I think the Giants fans maybe are a little too quick to put down Tommy DeVito. And like it's like Lynn Sanity, New York Knicks. It feels like that. But maybe it could be something more. You never know if he just pans out 
long term. And I hope that he is the backup for like ever for what it's worth. That would at least be something cool. We got Tommy DeVito on here. But, you know, before we wrap, let's talk about this Packers game coming up. It's it's like, again, one where you probably think long term the Giants should lose this. It's better for them. It helps their draft pick. But what I will say, uh, we talked about this on an episode a couple of weeks ago. And if you look at the Giants schedule and the way that the stars have aligned for them, the yeah. Packers are that team that's fighting for that playoff spot. Say the Giants pull off this Monday night upset. Then I think they face the Saints next week. That's another one of those teams fighting for that seventh spot. So then they beat them as well. I think that puts the Giants in the playoff spot. So Uh simultaneously, we're in contention for a top three draft pick. And then we're in contention for the seventh seed in the NFC. It's Uh crazy to be at this status. And this is like the life of a Giants fan. You never know what to want and whatever. But I think that this is a crucial matchup for the Giants. I think Brian Dable is probably talking to the team and saying, this is a playoff game. We win this. We can go on a run here. Our only tough matchups left are against um, the Eagles twice. But then you've got Packers, Saints, Rams, all if the Giants keep getting hot, could be winnable games. And then they finish with seven wins. And in this NFC, that might be enough to do it. (laughs) So it's crazy enough to think about, but there's a slim but possible chance here. So like with that in the back of your mind, does that change your outlook on this upcoming Monday night game? Is this like, you know what, F it, let's beat the Packers. Let's make this playoff push. Or do you kind of like sit in the camp where like there's a lot of Giants fans who say, I don't want to go to the playoffs, get stomped in the first round, and then, you know, screw our draft pick. Like which side of the fence do you fall on there? Yeah, like, I mean, like I was saying, I can't I can't really root for them to lose. Like, you know, it's just it's one of those things like I'm going to watch. I'm going to – when they hit a good play, I'm going to be cheering. If they do something stupid – I will be annoyed, annoyed by it, but um, yeah, I gotta. I always root for them. Like it's one of those things. I I want. I you know, I kind of want them to lose sometimes, you know. But I just can't root against them to lose. It just feels weird. Um, so I, it is still possible, which is crazy. If the Giants can make the playoffs, the uh, the seven seed is not going to be a good team, whoever it is. Um, so, like you said, the the Packers are right there. Uh, the Saints are there, and we got to play them. So, I mean, that helps our – if we beat them, that really puts us right there. The only thing is the Giants are playing Monday Night Football. They are not good at Monday Night Football. Uh, <laughs> so, you never know. Uh, Primetime, we are not fantastic. Um, so hey, to, to, to be fair, though, we haven't seen Tommy DeVito on Primetime yet. That is, he could be the primetime Tommy. <laughs> exactly. Maybe he shows up, bright lights, they do it for him. Like we've we've seen, you know, there's the record out there. Daniel Jones's record on primetime games is like abysmal. Um, and so we know that. And some so, some quarterbacks just don't get it done in primetime. But maybe Tommy DeVito, maybe he's the yeah. guy. I mean, he, he like we said, like he's good under the pressure. So yeah, maybe he's, he's confident. He's confident. He's good under the pressure. Um, uh, you know what? I If I were to bet... I don't think I would put the Giants winning, but it doesn't mean I don't want them to win. I think they uh, cover the spread. I think they'll cover. Yeah, well, we'll see. They're, it's they're like really six and a half, I think. You think that they would? Six and a half. Okay. Uh, it's definitely – so if I bet on the Giants, it's always the worst thing. It's always the worst. <laughs> so I, I try not to bet on the Giants unless I'm – I will bet the under on every <laughs> every time because that usually will hit. Um, but uh, – yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm now that Tommy DeVito is playing, he could eventually if he balls out and balls out and balls out, he could I think he could hopefully be a starter. No, that's in a perfect world. So you know yeah. that's exactly what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for Tommy DeVito to go out there and kill it. Because if he keeps doing that, 
and he, we think he could be a starter or at least be our solid backup. Then we got another piece, you know, we got another guy. But um, that's 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 what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for yeah. I'm hoping for the success of Tommy DeVito. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm right there with you. I mean, even if the Giants end up like losing a shootout, which I mean, that's unreal to think about because of how bad this Giants offense is. But let's like let's say that Tommy DeVito just goes off five touchdown game and they lose like 35 to 38. That's yeah. ideal. I just want to see Tommy DeVito ball out. Like I'm yeah. just all here for the Tommy DeVito era and man, I'd like to see him earn something long-term with this New York Giants team. I know he signed to like a three-year contract worth like $2 million in total, so it's not paying him a whole lot, um, mm-hmm. but he plays well down the stretch. They're going to tear up that contract, give him a new one, make him the long-term backup. So I'm, I'm hoping that happens. Like mm-hmm. Tom DeVito deserves it. I like the way that he plays under pressure, the confidence that he brings, and just the overall like mood and vibe that he's bringing to the Giants because we get to this point in the season like every year where we're just depressed and we're like I don't even want to watch this team anymore we're all kind of into it we're like let's let's watch Tommy DeVito play on Sundays and I think that's something as Giants fans we can kind of appreciate and be grateful for yeah I was kind of like that earlier in the season uh with Jones and Tyrod like like, at the point I didn't want to watch Jones play anymore I didn't want to watch Tyrod (laughs) even though Tyrod was playing better like they were moving the ball they just went scoring score like that's that's the fun part i want to see them score some points and even with tyrod throwing some good passes and moving it down like they're not scoring still they got 10 points this game that's not fun to watch so i was very like do i even want to watch do i want to torture myself uh but now it definitely does seem like the giants fans are way more behind watching them i'm sure i'm sure the attendance is probably better now than it was the first uh, well the middle of the season with uh jones and tyrod and um, it gives the Giants fans something to really hope for. Gives me something to hope for that DeVito becomes a star. Um, because watching us score zero, then three, and then seven, and then ten, and was is depressing. It's very depressing to watch. Uh, and I sometimes I literally wouldn't watch. I'm like I'll just turn on, I'll look at the stats every once in a while, and see what's going on. And that would save me some torture, but uh, now I want to watch. I want to Monday night. I'll be watching the game, um, and I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Me too. I think it's going to be a sneaky good game. Like I think a lot of fans are going to go into this like across the league and just think, you know, Packers. They just had this great performance against the Chiefs. It's going to be an easy one for them. But I don't know, man. I just think that the Giants are playing really motivated right now because of this whole Tommy DeVito thing. So I think they can keep it close, keep it competitive, and at least give us Giants fans something entertaining to watch on Monday night, which is what I'm ultimately hoping for. But all right. So before we wrap, what's your score prediction? You know, how are you feeling into this game? You think the Giants pull it off? How how wide is the margin if they don't? How are you feeling? So, like like I mean, you had a good point. It's not Jones on prime time. It is Tommy DeVito on prime time, yeah. which could change it. But so many times we had so many prime time games early in the season. I'm like, no, Giants are gonna do this. They got a chance. What's the spread? Ten? Yeah, right. Giants. If they're gonna lose, gonna be lose like one or two, and they get crushed. Uh, and like you said, the Green Bay has been playing really good. Uh, yeah. Jordan Love's been playing very good. They just beat the Chiefs, right? Yeah, beat the they Chiefs. Beat the, so um, let's say – I'll say 24 to 17 Packers. That's, 
I think that's fair. Giants get up two touchdowns. They don't cover the spread in that scenario, but um, Packers pull out the win. (laughs) Packers pull out the win. I'm expecting the Packers to win. I think that my final score prediction is probably somewhere in that range. I think the Packers can probably push it up to 30, so I'd say like 30 to 20. I think DeVito gets a couple touchdowns. Maybe whoever is kicking for the Giants now at this point. I think Bullock, whoever. Maybe Uh he knocks a couple in. I don't even know. Hopefully Graham Gano is back next season. But, yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on. Happy to have you. Uh, Where can the people find you? You can find me. Well, you got my my Twitter or my X right there, silver number one. Also, it's the same thing on Instagram. Check out my Instagram. I post – try to post funny stuff sometimes or dumb stuff or whatever I'm doing. Uh, Then also, like we talked about before, being the Dark Order on YouTube. Uh, the second show is up and this week's coming up. The third show is going to be very good. It's going to be, especially if you're a wrestling fan, you should find it very entertaining, uh, this week's, uh, episode. So check it out, uh, and watch me on TV. I'm not on TV every single week, but, uh, AEW on, uh, TNT on TNT. We're on, uh, Fridays and Saturdays. And then on Wednesday we are on TBS. So check it out. Yes, sir. Everybody check it out. Make sure to tune in to the new episode. I'll be tuning in myself. I think you're putting me on to wrestling here. I'm going to try and uh, become a fan here. I've never really watched wrestling growing up, but I've always had an interest in it. So I think this is a good time for me to jump on board. Well, they got that new movie coming out, Iron Claw. It's about wrestling. A family back in the 70s, I think. Is that the one with Zac Efron in it? Yeah, yeah. So it's supposed to be really good. I'm looking forward to seeing it. But sometimes seeing something like that, you're like, you know what? Now I kind of want to see – you know, want to watch some wrestling. So check out AEW. Uh, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturday nights we have uh, shows. And um, maybe we'll get back into it. We'll see. I'm on it, man. Sounds good. So thanks again for joining me. Come on anytime. And everybody watching, make sure to leave a like if you enjoyed. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. Comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure to leave us a five-star review. Go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. Make sure to go give John a follow on Twitter slash X as well at Silver Number One. And follow me at Anthony underscore Vardo. But without further ado, we'll catch you all in the next one. Have a good one. And let's go Giants.